welcome to the end of another strange day. It's a time of anxiety for many out there, and here in the History Obscure Reading Room, we truly sympathize. Why, just this afternoon, I caught the housekeeper trying to escape over the gates, clutching desperately at the hair of the heads on pikes trying to make it to the top. Silly thing. Doesn't she know it's dangerous out there? Not to worry, friends. She's resting comfortably in the basement now. Are you ready for tonight's story? Good. Once upon a time, a very talented Dutch Renaissance artist by the name of Johan van Eyck produced a very mysterious painting. It was stunning, both in its bold, bright use of color and in the hyper-realistic detail of the fabric pooling heavily upon the floor in myriad folds. Let me describe this painting, which has also been published on the History Obscura website and on our Twitter at HistObscuraPod, so you can take a look whenever you like. The painting is a double portrait and by many art historians, it is considered a wedding portrait of a newly married man and woman. Both are dressed in heavy, obviously expensive fur-trimmed clothing, and the man has one hand in the air as if proclaiming an oath, perhaps a marriage oath. His other hand holds that of the woman, which is opened palm upward. Behind them on the wall is a round mirror, and at their feet lay a small dog. Van Eyck expertly crafted this realistic painting in oil-based pigments, which were entirely new at the time. In fact, this may be one of the very earliest oil-based paintings in Europe, before the silky and slow-drying medium transformed the Dutch art world and eventually the entire continent. Prior to the practice of mixing colored pigments with oils, artists usually combined pigments with egg yolks. Slow-drying oil-based paints meant that artists of great talent, like Van Eyck, could take the time to blend certain shades together on the wooden base creating more realistic likenesses that beautifully captured the play of light and shadow. Still, with all the talents of Van Eyck and all the subtle usage of his new kind of paint, the subjects of this so-called Arnolfini portrait look decidedly alien. The man is extremely pale and thin, especially under that monstrously bulky black hat that gives him the distinct look of an extraterrestrial. He clutches the hand of his equally pale and strange companion, clad in what looks to be one metric ton of expensive green cloth fashioned into a dress. The lady holds some of the excess fabric folded into her hand at her belly, giving her the look of pregnancy, while also showing off the elaborate luxury of the gown. Of particular interest is the woman's head, which, though it is covered by a delicately ruffled piece of white fabric, looks almost to have been shaved except for two spots on her temples. At these sections, her fair hair has been gathered into what appear to be cones 
outlined by a tiny braid. Both figures have only the slightest hint of eyebrows, and though their lack of facial expression could be interpreted as serene, it could also be called gloomy. The whole thing looks both realistically human and altogether alien. To enhance the strange overall effect of the painting, Van Eyck did not title his work, and therefore virtually all information gathered on its subject has been done so posthumously, either through laborious research or through the interpretation of symbols in the painting itself. Let me begin with the mirror in the background. Expertly painted in the finest of detail, this convex mirror shows a reflection of the backs of the two figures in the foreground. Two more people are reflected in front of them, standing just where a viewer of the portrait would stand. One wears blue, the other red. Now, during the Middle Ages in Europe, you might be surprised to hear that the process of becoming married was extremely simple. Although aristocratic and royal families quite liked to have a large procession in a church, for common folk all that was necessary were a man, a woman, and a declaration of marriage between them. Essentially, all you had to do was make a statement to your intended bride or groom, and have them do the same. Something like, I hereby take you as my wife, and I hereby take you as my husband, would suffice. Witnesses were ideal, but not essential. Neither was a priest. The only reason to have one's marriage statements witnessed at all would be so that the marriage could be proven, to one's parents, for example. There was no need for any member of the clergy to preside over the brief ceremony. Above the mirror, in exquisite lettering, is the signature of Johann van Eyck, along with the Latin words, Fuitik. Altogether, the phrase translates as, Van Eyck was here. Sure, it's a cute little nod to himself, but van Eyck's wording is a little strange. Normally, he would use the words, Als ik kan, which in Brabantian Dutch meant as I can. It was a delightful pun on the word Ike, which mimicked his own name, Ike. So in effect, the signature would read, as best Ike can. Using Van Eyck was here is further evidence of that painting's significance as a sort of marriage commemoration or contract. Now, moving on to the right of the mirror, we see a small wooden carving of St. Margaret next to a hand broom. St. Margaret is said to have been eaten by Satan in the form of a dragon, only to escape thanks to her crucifix irritating the bowels of the creature. To Catholics, she is the patron saint of childbirth and pregnant women, among other jobs she holds including the healer of people with kidney disease and ward of the members of Queen's College, Cambridge. She is known as sweeping out the devil, which was also a traditional move made by new wives who swept the doorway of their marital home immediately upon moving in. Another uncanny detail, though imperceptible to the untrained eye, 
is that the man in the portrait holds his lady's hand in his own left hand. Ordinarily, a marriage oath would be taken with right hands, which suggests if this is indeed a marriage portrait, then it is what was called a left-handed marriage. Left-handed marriages were made between a person of some wealth and means and another person with none. Of course, generally speaking, the latter was a woman, and once the marriage was in place, she was not entitled to inherit any of her husband's wealth, properties, or titles upon his death. Disgraceful. In such a case, it makes perfect sense that multiple witnesses had been called to the ceremony, as it would become extremely important that the marriage of unequal citizens was a valid one. So, why should this painting have become known as the Arnolfini portrait? Interestingly, though the painting has remained a favorite of art collectors throughout the last 550 years, the identity of the couple was a source of disagreement between owners and art historians until the mid-19th century. In 1857, Joseph Archer Crowe and Giovanni Battista Caba Cassel published a book in which they claimed the married couple were Giovanni and Giovanna Arnolfini. This was based on research the pair had done on the art inventory of one Margaret of Austria, who owned the painting from some point after 1493 until her death in 1530. The problem is, in 1997, it was established that the marriage of Giovanni and Giovanna did not take place until 1447, some 13 years after the date of the painting, and six years after Jan van Eyck's death. Was the painting of a later wife? A different couple altogether? Or perhaps something more sinister, like a post-mortem portrait? You see, a second portrait of the strange man was painted by Van Eyck, this time titled with the name Giovanni di Nicolai Arnolfini. So with Arnolfini's identity quite concrete then, perhaps the lady in the double portrait is his first wife, Constanza Trenta, who died in childbirth in 1433. If that is true, suddenly all the symbols in the painting take on a darker purpose. Saint Margaret of childbirth, the man dressed solidly in black, though the woman wears bright, vibrant green, the tiny depictions of Jesus dying on the cross and coming back to life that surround the round mirror in the back, the voluminous folds of the lady's dress, perhaps mimicking the bulge of a baby who almost was. And the final piece of the puzzle, high above the heads of both figures, almost unseen within the stunning, almost three-dimensional depiction of the chandelier. One candle, long and lit, burns above the man. And another, this one above the lady, melted all the way to the bottom and snuffed out. The sad double portrait 
still a mystery to most who gaze upon its depths, is now at home at the National Gallery of London, who purchased it in 1842 for the price of £600. What a world, no? Well, that's quite enough for tonight. Immortalize your loved ones in portrait, dear friends, so you won't have to dig up their corpses for the purpose later on. I'd better go and bring poor Louisa some more medication. Um, tea. Tea. Until next time, good night. Good night.